You're listening to the Americans for Truth Hour with your host, Peter LaBarbera. Each week, you'll hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war. People who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Americans for Truth Hour will help you to stay informed and engaged on the side of life, marriage, and the God-ordained family. Please stand with us as we work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill. And once again, one nation under God. And now, here's Peter LaBarbera. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Americans for Truth Hour. Americans for Truth About Homosexuality is a single-issue organization devoted to opposing the powerful homosexual activist lobby. And we're very grateful to have Judith Reisman for a four-part interview. Is that right, Judith? Yeah, that's what. Okay. I sort of roped roped you into four uh, because (laughs) Judith is one of my favorite people. She's got so much to say, and um, she's done so much to alert people, alert the nation to this incredible uh, conspiracy, as it were, this scandalous uh, use of Alfred Kinsey as the basis for sex education and sex studies, whatever you want to call it, Judith, and. uh, you know, we were talking off the air um, before here today about words and how words have lost their meaning. And Judith, uh, you know, one word that I think should not be lost is uh, there goes my phone. One word that should not uh, the meaning should not be lost is is the word pervert. And mm, is yeah. it is from it, perversion? From, right. Yeah. From perversion. And uh, is yeah. it safe to say that Dr. Alfred Kinsey was a pervert. Oh, indeed. I mean, <laughs> I said that on the Phil Donahue show, you know, when I did it. When, when I bet Phil ago. loved that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yes. You know, it was just too too blunt, but it was, of course, quite true. We had just, uh, Donahue had just gotten accidentally, didn't mean to, but he got a confession from uh, Kinsey's spokesman there, um, uh, and Kinsey's spokesman, Clarence Tripp, said that uh, Kinsey relied on, on pedophiles for his research on children, and that uh, they were just very responsible pedophiles because, and I'm quoting, he said, uh, they used stopwatches to record their thing, which was that they were torturing the little children, and children as young as two months of age. At which point, um, I said, uh, you know, you're defending a pervert. I mean, this is this is a predator and a pervert. And, of course, uh, Donahue could not deny that, nor could anybody in the entire audience. They all stood up absolutely. I mean, there were people outraged, not at me, but at the fact that, indeed, uh, this is exactly what uh, Kinsey was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, he, he was, and he had a perversion problem himself. I mean, describe this. Oh, yeah. He, coming from his, from as a, as a boy, right? I mean, talk about how Kinsey became the person he was. I mean, what did he, was he molested himself when he was young? Yeah, well, you know, now that's, of course, we don't have any proof uh, in terms of that, but in terms of the profile of a molested child, right? Uh, Kinsey fits that profile profoundly. Um, he, he, the, the uh, biography of, he, we had several very positive biographies. I'm the only one who's ever written at length on him that wasn't celebrating him, but um, his biographies all uh, sort of accuse his father of, of being unkind, and nobody 
claims that Kinsey was ever harmed by his father, hit by his father, or or anything like that. But but it appears that that someone in his background as a young child introduced him to sexual activity that really traumatized him because as a result, uh, as an early uh, or young child, it turns out that he was actually really torturing himself. Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think how to say this properly, but, um, you know, below the belt, <laughs> doing a lot of, of torture um, to himself, which in the long run uh, truly compromised him to the extent that he appears to have died of orchitis or related uh, problems associated with that, which is a venereal disease, and also it has to do with the trauma to the genital organs. And um, so Kinsey had been traumatizing his organs. He would hang himself from uh, rafters at at the university when he was a full professor and uh, collapse on the floor, and and he would use instruments on himself and so forth. So, So, yes, I mean, the man was deeply disturbed. He was a compulsive masturbator, which is one of the reasons, excuse me, for his promotion of this activity is completely harmless, although it appears to more than damaged him and um, because of his obsessiveness. And, um, now, now, so, Judith, yeah, now, our mm-hmm. show airs at, at 11 o'clock at night on Saturday, so I mean, we're pre-taping on Wednesday, the 8th of June. Uh, but So we can talk about this, but if you're, if you're a child listening and your parent and your children's mm, yes, in the room, please. tell them to leave. But, I mean, you tried to describe it, but Kinsey was... Well, I'm- Trying to, and well, I'm really he not. Was, able. He was inserting foreign objects up his urethra. Is that is that what yes, he was doing? Yeah, that is what he was doing. And then yeah, you say he he moved on to when he was now. And there's some speculation that it may even have directly been caused his death. I mean, he was he was yeah, hanging himself like a sadomasochist mm-hmm. from his genitals. He was he was attaching um, it to hmm. a. I mean, yeah, Peter, my goodness, yes, indeed, that's what. Yeah, but I mean, th- th- this doing. is still. I think this is so scandalous that we all get. Our, our, I know. our sex information, our whole, yeah, the whole industry yeah. is based on this man who is obviously severely, severely troubled. Now, was he, uh, he, he was married, but yet you, did he, is it fair to claim, to describe him as a homosexual, uh, was he bisexual? Well, How would you describe he, he, him? Yeah, well, well, there's been a big argument about that. The Kinsey Institute does not like him to be called homosexual which I don't quite understand because they're in such defense of this, this way of life. But personally, as, as far as I can see, the smoking, he's had four children, so you could call him either bisexual or you could call him homosexual because, of course, he focused on, on sex with his male students. He focused on sex with the male, uh, male subjects that he was so-called interviewing. These are the objective researchers that were carrying out this basic research that has moved and shaped the Western world. And uh, so he was engaged with with sex with all all males as soon as young young attractive males I must say as soon as he possibly could but but you know it's very interesting the film Kinsey that was uh, starring Liam Neeson uh, you know a, a heroic figure uh, played him as essentially a a heroic figure who had a few warts and problems yeah and and of course they blamed his his wife for um, they blamed his wife for his being unable to be functioning properly uh, when they got married. But the simple reality is that you you can't do those things to the genital organs uh, in the way that he did. And still, 
expect to find as a normal male when you first, in your first experience with a woman. And that's apparently what happened. So, um, their wedding night was not exactly a pleasant experience for either one of them, apparently. All right. And you're, break, yeah. you're breaking up a little here, the line, uh, Judith. So hopefully we won't have to call you back. But, um, uh, and so we're, we're catching a picture of uh, a man who was who was deeply troubled. He was engaging in uh, something happened in his life to to want to mutilate and and harm himself. The, the very practice which is now being mainstream in our culture of sadomasochism, uh, you know, which which also they can look back and say that Kinsey. You know, just as he helped mainstream homosexual perversion, now we see the culture uh, regressing further. Now we see the effort to mainstream sadomasochism, which I guess is consensual sexual violence. You see the video now. There's a popular vi- well. There, there's a video by Rihanna uh, uh, called S and M. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's astonishing, but it's so creepy that the very guy who's helped do all this and now is is helping rationalize this misbehavior was mm-hmm. was into it way back then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question about that. And you know, he's the one who's mainstreamed. Look, NAMBLA, the North American Man Boy Love Association, they state and it's in my book and I please please people buy the book. You know, don't don't just listen to this interview or these interviews but read what uh, what we've what I've put together for you in sexual sabotage because uh when when we look at what Kinsey was actually doing, uh, you have to say that he fits the profile of a sadomasochistic pedophile, or pederast, really. And you have to say that, because when I first read Kinsey's writings, um, and when he first described what he called children's orgasms and infant orgasms, which were all the result of what he called um, pleasure, he said these children were fainting, they were having convulsions. He said they were screaming and writhing in pain. He said that they were striking the man who was doing this to them. He said that uh, that they that they um, fainted, I, did I say fainted, and, and weeping, he said, and hysterical weeping, especially among the youngest, the younger children, he said. Now that's only a sadomasochistic pedophile can call that pleasure. So yes, indeed, I would say there's no question based on his own writing, that Kinsey was a sadomasochistic pedophile, actually a pederast because these were all boys, boy victims. Um, and, uh, and he transferred that pederasty, that pedophilia, that, that uh, exploitation of children into his, his work, which then translated into NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, which said uh, boy lovers and pedophiles should hold no Kinsey's work and hold it dear because that is the crux of what we fight for today. Wow, uh, Judith, it's just it's amazing, and I want to talk about uh, modern uh, the modern uh, application of these the ideologies today. When I get back after the break, we're talking to Dr. Judith Reisman. Her website is drjudithreisman.drjudithreisman dot com. She's the founder of the Institute for Media Education. She's the author of Sexual Sabotage, which you can get at WorldNet Daily Books. Sexual Sabotage, she's author of other books, Kinsey, Sex, and Fraud, among them. Uh, We'll be right back after the break with Judith Reisman. I'm Peter LaBarber with Americans for Truth. Our website is americansfortruth.org. 
Barber with Americans for Truth About Homosexuality, and we're in part two of our interview with Dr. Judith Reisman. Dr. Reisman is the founder of the Institute for Media Education. She is prolific. She's written several books, among them Kinsey, Sex and Fraud, Kinsey, Crimes and Consequences, and her most recent book about Kinsey, uh, Sexual Sabotage, which is available through WorldNet Daily Books and also uh, Amazon.com. And uh, Judith, um, okay, so what I was going to explain to you was something you know. I mean, you're, you, you've you explained how Kinsey helped mainstream the homosexual movement. Uh, just recently in Chicago, it turns out that Chicago is one of the most perverted cities in the world. Uh, it has one of the oldest homosexual um, uh, movements in the world, uh, okay. and uh, uh, including one of the earliest gay rights advocates in the United States. But just uh, recently on Memorial Day weekend, they um, held, as they do every year, the International Mr. Leather event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a gathering of of people who, I, I suppose you could say, some of them had the same perversion problem as Alfred Kinsey. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a sadomasochist event. Uh, it's mm-hmm. It was held this year at the Hyatt Regency Chicago. And I'm going to give out the phone number because this is an extraordinary um, gathering in which basically the most heinous perversions known to mankind, including men urinating on one another and in one another, are encouraged oh, and celebrated. Peter, oh my! Okay, go well, on. And so this is this is sadomasochism, and and why yeah. not? If there are no sure. limits, right, Judith? Sure. If, if there's yeah. no boundaries yeah. in society, no boundaries for sex, then who's to say that you know the so-called one of the things they champion is so-called pig sex? I mean, you can't even describe it, and that's one of the catch-22s of the entire homosexual movement. Some of it gets so, especially on its fringes, it gets so disgusting and gross that you can't explain it. You, and, mm-hmm, and, yeah. and, you, and you almost can't fathom it. Well, anyways, they every year in Chicago, they buy out a hotel for a couple of days. And this year it was at the Hyatt Regency Chicago on Wacker Drive, 151 East Wacker. It's Chicago Regency, uh, Hyatt Regency Chicago on the Riverwalk. I'm going to give out the phone numbers. And I would just encourage people, if you're ever coming to Chicago, don't stay at the Hyatt Regency. And here's why. I mean, well, number one, you're rewarding a hotel that promotes perversion, profits off perversion. But Judith, I mean, the stuff that these people do is so disgusting and revolting that I think it must require some kind of special chemical cleanup just to make uh, make the room habitable again. Oh yeah, you 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 could not excuse me, you could not possibly have a regular quote maid service uh, excuse me to deal with the the um, fluids and the blood and all the other things. That uh, that come out of this kind of activity, and you know, Peter, uh, at the bottom, uh, I hate to be double entendre here, but at the bottom of of all of this, really, is, is the shame and the horror that I, I I can't emphasize this enough: the trauma that almost all uh, homosexual males and and females uh, have experienced as children. Uh, sexually, and and whether and, and the fact that today there is such an effort to to force homosexual women and 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 men to pretend that they did not have these kinds of tra- traumatic experiences early on, to me is in- unconscionable because 
we're really talking about blaming the victim, what happens with these youngsters who have been exposed to these terrible experiences, uh, once they've been exposed by, by a same-sex person, they are then told that they are gay. They are convinced that they are gay, and therefore that what happens to them is uh, their own fault, you see. Yeah. Now, you can't do that to people. I mean, you can't do that to youngsters, and you can't do it to them and expect that they're going to grow up and be perfectly happy, content people who right. are going to then, you know, meet the girl of their dreams or the boy of their dreams and get married and have children and all that sort of thing. Now, some will. I mean, some people come through these things. I've interviewed many guys who, was, who were sexually molested as children who went on to, to live perfectly normal lives. But I've also interviewed many, many, many more <laughs> within the homosexual movement who have had this abuse at, as an, at an early time. And, and we're never able to overcome it. We're never able to get beyond it. And so, and so the effort, naming, the societal effort to to rationalize the behavior becomes part of the the sort of the cover up to say it's normal and and so uh, there's a huge amount of energy invested in the movement in saying that homosexuality is normal uh, because mm-hmm. to to, uh, to to say otherwise is to implicate the, the behavior that's being practiced now before we go on to that Judith I want to give out this phone number for the Hyatt Regency Chicago the number is three one two five six five one two three four that's 312-565-1234. Um, I, I would urge people to call them and, and say that they should not profit off this awful perversion, the sadomasochism, and that you will not be staying at the Hyatt Regency because of this. But Judith, you know, has America gotten so immoral that we are actually now saying that even sadomasochism is not aberrant? Well, I don't know that we're saying it, uh, but I certainly know that that it's something that's being pushed and promoted by the uh, by the elite, you know, in our society. I mean, it's being promoted by the uh, entertainment industry, which is highly, as you know, highly uh, influenced by the homosexual movement, uh, which was re- which is really, you know, the a which is really a, a damaged. We're talking about very damaged folks who've gone through terrible experiences, and they and they transmit that onward. Now, now tell that John example Gannon, that you told me. Uh, uh, tell the example that you told me, Judith, about the oh, the, 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 without the, without the name of somebody who yeah, actually went through it. it. Yeah, I mean, he, but he's typical of many I've talked to. But I'll tell you about him one second before I do. I don't want to forget John Gagnon, one one of Kinsey, the Kinsey big Kinsey researchers, warned. Uh, those in the homosexual movement years ago, he said, most important, he says, is you're not to, let's don't look to try and find the origin of, of why you are homosexual. He says, you can't, you mustn't do that. Because if you do that, you will be giving strength to the, you know, the right wing, uh, you know, conservative wacko people like me, I suppose. Um, and, and of course, who tells a person not to investigate why, you know, why their lives are, are so upside down and distressing? Well, you, of course you try to find that out. Well, he didn't want them to. And here's an example. Yeah, I was lecturing at a, a conference uh, for recovering homosexuals. You know, there's so many groups out there now. And um, at the end of the conference, a young man uh, who was attending uh, drove me home. And by the way, there was such a reception uh, by these guys. When you tell them about the two issues that were pre- predominant in their in their lives, one would be Kinsey and the other is 
pornography, i.e. Playboy in those years, um, you know, it's the light goes on for so many guys because that's what was done to them. But anyway, so so this young man is driving me home, and on the way I say, well, you know, um, tell me, John or Sam or whatever, uh, you know, when was your first sexual experience? And, and this, so is, this is an, ex, was, an ex-gay. This is a guy who identified himself as ex-gay. Right. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah, yeah. He's ex. Uh, he's trying to stay ex, you know, which is mm-hmm. always difficult. And uh, once you've gotten into that, especially for guys, a little easier for girls, less, it's more difficult for guys. But anyway, to stay ex. Um, so, so he says, well, he says, um, my first sexual experience, I, he said, I, I think I was about 19 or so, you know, a little older even. And I said, well, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of late for someone who has entered into this, this lifestyle. And that's kind of interesting. So we're driving along and at a certain point I say to him, uh, let me ask you something. I said, did you guys have pornography in your house? And he said, well, yeah, sure. He said, my father used to have the magazines, you know, Playboy and Penthouse, that sort of stuff. He said, and I said, where were they? And he said, in the front closet, you know. And I said, oh, really? And your mother knew that. Mm-hmm, yeah, sure. And you had an older brother, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I had an older brother. It's the brother that calls him a fag all the time, by the way. And um can't understand why he turned out like that. And I said, well, uh, did, your, did you ever look at those magazines? And he said, well, I don't, you know, he was sort of hemmed and hawed about it. And he said, I said, what about your brother? And he said, oh, yeah, he used to, you know, he used to look at them all the time. And he said he'd come into my room. And then he described that the brother would climb on him when he was in bed. This, and he was a boy, you know, he was at the time about five years old or something. He's a good, good deal younger than the brother. And um, and he would actually, as he ex- explained what he did on top of him, he was molesting this boy, his his little brother. <sighs> and I said, "Well, wait a minute, um, Tom or Harry." I said, um, "Then what you're saying to me is your first sexual experiences were when you were about four or five years old?" Because he said it was about four or five. So so he sort of he didn't say anything for a minute. He just was stunned. Uh, he was driving. I hoped he didn't, you know, pull over. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Anyway, and yeah, and so then, so then finally he said, actually, I think he did pull over at that point and just stop. And he said, um, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. He said, sexual? So I said, well, what you described that he was doing on top of you after looking at the pornography, you know, <sighs> that's sexual. And I said, so then that means you, you know, you were first molested uh, by a male, your brother, when you were four or five years old. And he said, my gosh, yes. Wow. I never even, I, yeah, he never, never, never allowed himself to think that, you see. This was a, an older brother. You worship your older brother, don't you? And yeah. And his older brother had spent... Years telling him, what's wrong with you? Why are you a fag? Well, well, you know, older brother, (laughs) uh, look what you did after you got through with your porn, you know, to this job. Wow. Wow, Judith, that is amazing. And I wonder how many lives are like that, where there's just abuse that almost is so horrible it wasn't even thought about. We're talking to Judith Reisman, who's the founder of the Institute for Media Education. Her website is drjudithreisman.com. We'll be right back after the break.
Are you sick and tired of homosexuality and gay marriage being celebrated by the liberal media and popular culture? Do you worry about the radical gay agenda being pushed on young children in schools? Are you worried that the gay movement will destroy America's religious freedoms? And are you offended that Christians are called bigots and homophobes just because they agree with God that homosexual behavior is wrong? Americans for Truth About Homosexuality is a single-issue group devoted to exposing and fighting the gay agenda. They are not about hate, but love for God's truth. They are Christians, so instead of celebrating homosexuality, they lift up the many ex-gays who have left it behind and now lead godly lives through Christ. But Americans for Truth needs your help. The gay lobby has lots of money, power, and media support, but it lacks truth. Please help keep this show on the air and educate America about the dangerous goals of this anti-Christian movement. Make your tax-deductible gift online today at AmericansForTruth.com. That's AmericansForTruth.com. Welcome back to the Americans for Truth Hour. We're talking to Dr. Judith Reisman, who is the person who the world owes a debt of gratitude to, to because she has uh, shed light on this awful sham of sexology. And, and Judith, uh, following up on that story, which is really uh, incredibly compelling, um, and uh, our hearts go out to these people. Our, my heart goes out to homosexuals and and people who are victims of pornography and sexual deviance and predations. I mean, it's really, uh, and, and on all the gender, I can't imagine what's gone on in the lives of these gender, you know, transgender people, Judith, but I'm thinking. Oh, think- gosh. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of, of Don Lemon now, the, the CNN correspondent. I, I can't remember if we discussed this last week, but, you know, Don Lemon is a, is a, he, he was a, a reporter in, a TV reporter in Chicago and other places. Um, I thought of, sort of knew he was a homosexual activist because he spoke at a, uh, gay activist event, homosexual activist event in Chicago called, uh, Equality Illinois. But recently, this is very interesting, Judith. He was covering a story on, homosexual uh, molestations by uh, alleged uh, by uh, Eddie Long, pastor, uh, megachurch pastor in Atlanta. And then he mm-hmm. just re- he revealed on the air that he, Don Lemon, was the victim of child molestation. Mm-hmm. And he said that's why this is so important to him. Well, now in his new book, uh, Mr. Lemon, uh, CNN, uh, very uh, big host, uh, you know, you see him all over CNN, uh, African-American uh, fellow, Don Lemon says that he's gay and he's, you know, he's coming out of the closet, which is a a terrible phrase. I don't really think it it correlates to truth, but uh, he's come out as a gay guy. And so I want to tell him, Don, you're not gay. You're the victim of a pedophile. Yeah, absolutely. A pedophile or indeed a pederast. And uh, this is one of my most, most, well, if I was going to speak to anything, you know, I would speak to the fact that thousands of boys, and in our analysis of the advocate compared to uh, the Washingtonian. The advocate being a homosexual magazine. Yeah, in search of advertisements, yeah. In our analysis of that magazine, there was a graph, a chart produced by the advocate at the time. This is back in uh, 1990-something, I don't remember now, four, I suppose. And in that chart, they identified uh, well over 9,000 boys who were dying of AIDS at that time, who were either dead or, or dying, one or the other. Now, and they called them gay, all right? Now, now look, 
My question is this. We're dealing with thousands and thousands of people dying of AIDS. Where are all the men who have violated these, these youngsters? Where are they being arrested? They are not being arrested, are they? Right. So if you've got all these people dying of AIDS, then why are you not arresting their killers? And they're not. Do you see thousands being arrested for actual manslaughter or murder, really? And, and to me, you know, it's like, we're in, it's like we're in the middle of a major war and, the, and, and, and children are being murdered. And nobody seems to be ready to do anything about it. Why? Because they mislabel them. They just label the victims gay. They tell them that they, what, deserved it? Deserved to get AIDS? Excuse me. Um, deserve to be sexually molested by an adult male? I don't think so. So, so there's a lot that needs to be done to straighten out what's going on today, particularly with the uh, with the use of of the schools to indoctrinate and to seduce and to recruit children. Now, I mean, Judith, what would you say to Don Lemon? I mean, he admits he was molested, and now he's mm-hmm. now he's part of this gay rights, you know. Uh, trend and everybody's coming out of the closet and everything. I mean, it's just very sad. I, I want to. I would ask him: Has he ever prosecuted the man who uh, who molested him? And he will tell me, no, he has not. And I would ask him why. A girl who has been molested has a right and ought to go after the guy who has molested her. Her parents should defend her. We don't call her just a whore. We don't. You know, people used to say when girls were sexually promiscuous. A lot of times, what we're looking at. When we deal with highly promiscuous girls, we're looking at early sexual abuse and their experiences. When you look at so many of the young women who are prostituting now, those are young women who have been molested as young girls, okay? So why is a boy who, who is molested, who enters into homosexuality, why is he different in that regard? Not at all. We have to find out who's doing this to these children. We have to arrest them. We have to put them in front of a, a, a jury. We have to try them, and we have to get them out of circulation. And people have a right to go after the men, the men in, who have done this to them, generally men. There have been some women, too. I just think it's the saddest thing when you see a guy who, who identifies as gay, rather than seeing the molestation as contributing, I don't know if it's some kind of a, a veil that comes over, a uh, uh, how they end up saying that this was a positive experience that helped them discover their orientation. I mean, we actually hear men saying that. It's it's astonishing. Well, we've got a defense mechanism that's going strong here. And besides, there's a huge, con, a, a hu- huge confusion that, that young people, kids have. Adults have it, too. But children, especially, when they first are exposed to something sexual, because the, the, uh, the way in which the human brain is designed, the way in which the experience is processed, is, is, it is experienced as a confused arousal, uh, an arousal that that is very high because it's filled with fear and it's filled with shame, but it focuses on the reproductive organs. Mm -hmm. So you have a young boy who, or a young girl, who is prematurely molested, and this happens very often in incest situations, where where the child is being violated and the hating it, and yet is having a sexual response. Well, you're dealing with their reproductive organs, so you have stimulated them 
prematurely in the reproductive area, and that is associated with high levels of shame and fear, which increases the arousal enormously, because arousal is not a word that's specific to sex at all. It's specific to fear more than anything else. And so it increases that arousal, and this poor child then is told by society, well, that means you're gay. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it, the, the society doesn't say, look, you're very confused here because we have done something to you that we should not have allowed in this society. We have, we have confused you un, unmercifully. You know, you should not have been exposed to all of this at, at that age at all. And, and instead of that, we just relabel them the simple way. And they see it in the newspapers and they hear it in school. And so they believe it and they identify other people who tell them they're handsome and cute and beautiful, which they do up to the time they're about 24, 25. And then they're allegedly too old to be so beautiful and cute anymore. So this is a tragedy and it, it ought to be corrected. Wow, uh, Judith, uh, it's really amazing, and uh, yeah, and I just wonder how many men have experienced that—an awful lot. Um, now, y- you're familiar, at least, with the whole idea. How it, it, is it true, uh, as we allege, that homosexuality is vastly disproportionately represented among these child sexual uh, molestation victims? In other oh, words, yeah, why are there I'm... so many? Why are there so many boy victims? There shouldn't be so many boys if homosexuality is not disproportionately involved in, in this? Oh, there's no question about that. Um, if, if We also did the research on that statistically. Uh, we're looking at perhaps 16 to 17 percent of boys, as far as we know at this point. And by the way, the Department of Justice put out the research that 64 percent of your forcible sodomy victims are boys under age 12. 64 percent of your forcible sodomy victims are boys under age 12. Now, scary, is that scary or not? Wow. Where are there, Where are the men who have been killing them? Because forcible sodomy, and if somebody has AIDS and is, is a carrier, you're talking about murder, for goodness sakes. But anyway, yeah, so, so when you've got 16, say, percent of the male population that's been molested as boys, uh, and, and roughly 24, maybe 25 percent of girls, and you're talking about a rough Two and a half percent of the male population being homosexual versus, say, ninety percent of males being purely heterosexual. Yeah, then your your rate of of abuse of the boys by uh, homosexual males is off the charts. There's, it's off the charts. Um, where and and Gene Abel. A very liberal guy who wishes he never did it did the research um, on the number of victims per homosexual versus heterosexual and came up with one hundred and twenty some victims, as I recall, a few more um, per homosexual male of of young boys compared to nineteen of young girls. And think about it; it makes sense. You know, John Smith is a, is is a coach. He comes to your house. You, you know, your husband is always working or or you're divorced and he says you know i'd really like to take tommy and sam and joe out on a camping trip uh, mrs jones how's that go for you and she says great because he's got the male model you know coach and everything else so she doesn't she, you know he's off and, and running with the boys at least he always used to be and suppose the same coach comes to your house and he says i'd like to take sally and barbara <laughs> right. and you know joan on you know on, on a camping trip with me well mrs you know, she is not likely to say, go for it, Coachy, you know, uh, you're right. So, so even now she's not. Um, and, and in early years, she was much less likely to do so. 
So, uh, so access to boys has always been easier, particularly boys leave the house, you know, at a certain point, they always used to be able to get out and do stuff uh, at the time that they would be most vulnerable, and girls were much more guarded until very recent years. And so, no, you're, you're talking about a high rate of sexual abuse of boys by homosexual males, no question. Wow. Statistically. Yes, and um, I think that's, uh, you know, the standard response as well. No, heterosexuals commit most abuses. Well, yeah, technically true, but I mean, we're talking about why so many, the disproportionate, why so many uh, boy victims, and uh, I don't know if we'll ever get the liberal media to give a fair answer to that, Judith. Well, no, you know, you've got an awful lot of people who have investments in this. Um, per, they want to be invited to the parties, number one, and they aren't going to be invited if they tell the truth. And and then there are plenty who are doing what they're, what you know, doing this. So right. they're not going to tell the truth. Right. We're talking to Judith Reisman. Her website is drjudithreisman.com. Uh, she's the author of Sexual Sabotage, which is available through WorldNet Daily Books. I'm Peter LaBarber with Americans for Truth. We've got one more segment. Our website is American. Welcome back to the last installment of part two of our four-part interview with Judith Reisman. And Judith, you have many, many fans across the country because you are capable of explaining things simply, uh, but very, very important subject matters that have been swept under the rug. And we're going to get into pornography uh, Kinsey's effect on pornography and just the, the the great work you've done in that area. But in what we were talking about here with the molestation and the gay identity, it just seems so fascinating to me. Uh, ideas have consequences. And mm-hmm. we live in this crazy culture now where, Judith, I, I'm sure you don't, you're not a fan of the show Glee, right? You're not watching oh, yeah. that. Oh, my well, goodness. You know what oh, I saw? They did, they, another watershed event Mm-hmm. of the sordid nature in our culture uh, occurred a few weeks ago when on this show Glee, which is wildly popular among young people, teenagers, um, mm-hmm. including a lot of religious kids from religious homes watch this. And yeah. they had on this show, they had two male characters, teenage characters who they'd been developing the whole season. And mm-hmm. they were engaged in a passionate homosexual kiss that if had it been a male and a female, it would have been romantic. Um, mm-hmm. And it would have been something that was almost appealing. But this were two men. And I was struck when I saw it by the fact that the home. No, no, no. They were not two men. They were two boys. Two boys. And you know what, Judith? I would have, yeah. I, I would have thought that two years ago, the homosexual lobby would not have even attempted this. But here they mm-hmm. are pushing it in prime time on TVs mm-hmm. across the, the country. Yeah, I um, saw the kiss. You did. Okay. I mean, yes, I did. so, you, you know, how it's, it's only been a few short decades since Kinsey, and now we're at the stage where it seems we're witnessing the complete free fall of our Judeo-Christian morality in this area. Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we can't su- even begin to suggest that this isn't a huge problem. We have people producing, uh, you know, homosexual males mostly, but there are lesbians too, who are producing these uh, these teenage films and teenage, te- you know, shows and whatnot. And uh, they said that they were going to, quote-unquote, push the envelope, which means go beyond anything and everything that American, you know, society or normal society would accept, and so they script 
these young boys uh, to to kiss each other. Now, if the boys want the job and the boys want to be popular and the boys want to earn money and their parents want them to earn money, right? Because the parents had to consent, didn't they? Okay. Mm-hmm. So since we've got a parental support system here that will allow their children to be used, not just these boys, but the sexualization of girls all over the place on television and everywhere else, the sexualization, and, and by the way, not always is, are those kisses between a male and a female teenager that they're forced into, not always are those so romantic either. You know, this right. is not the old days anymore, you know, Sarah kind of thing, Sarah Jane. So, so we've, we're, the envelope, quote unquote, is being pushed everywhere, and the children are absolutely being driven into sexual activity. Now, what happens once you start driving these children into premature sexual activity is that the same people who have been driving them into that activity are going to be on the boards of various organizations demanding that we lower the age of consent because they'll be saying, as they are, uh, gee whiz, children are already so sexual that we better not penalize them for their sexual activity, so we need to lower the age of consent. So it's taken us, I don't know how many years, to bring the age of consent up from 10 years old up to 21 years old at a certain point where you were jailbait if you went with, a, you know, anybody had anything to do with a, a, a girl under 21 um, to a place where uh, we have the skins and all these other kinds of, of uh, television productions that are being put out there where children are being brutally, brutally, barbarically exploited uh, by the adults who are creating the material, and by the parents who are selling their kids, understand when we look at that, that there are parents there that had to sign those permission slips for their children to be used really as, um, as deviant characters in one way or another, both the girls and the boys. Yeah, and, and uh, it's so sophisticated now, Judith. Um, but back when, uh, you know, I, I got a hold of uh, some newsletters that were, the first newsletter coming out of the homosexual, what became the homosexual movement, and they asked questions like, "Can homosexuals organize?" and and we're seeing now mm-hmm. almost the uh, the final stage, as, as it were. But but you don't believe that. I mean, let's let's end this segment with something positive. What what is the way back? I mean, you say that we were way better off, way better off with our with our old moral system. Uh, the one that talked about illegitimate children and the one that talked about perverts. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. You know. Let's get back to the nasty words. <laughs> the nasty deeds, you know. <laughs> I mean, on the homosexuals, you've got the word gay, which sounds so positive, mm-hmm. but you, you don't really sure. think there's too much that's gay about this lifestyle, I'm assuming. No, it's a death style, and everybody knows it's a death style. It's not gay. It's not happy. Uh, you know, it's difficult enough for heterosexual people who, who come from good backgrounds, you know, in this environment to be able to maintain and establish real relationships and to be happy. It's impossibly difficult, really, for those who have picked who have been picked early on to engage in activities that's going that are going to really thwart their lives and their happiness and will expose them to every form of venereal disease, every form of disease, every form of emotional trauma. Uh, this is not a happy way to live. And the people who create those those happy little glee things where they have those children kiss each other, um, they know it's not happy, and they themselves are suffering from various diseases, and they certainly aren't going to talk about 
what's on their body parts, you know, on, on, uh, as part of their, as part of their seduction activities. So, no, I, 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 look, it's always darkest before the dawn. What can I say? You know, people go through hell. I mean, we, we know the, the Soviet, uh, system. We know the, the German system. We know that societies have been destroyed that were highly evolved. And we are not immune from that. So either we fight for, Understanding uh, what our what what we came from, or we won't. That's what the whole first section of my book deals with. That whole issue. Uh, it's World War Two. It's what we were. The the documentation is there. We really were what our grand grandparents and great grand grandparents said we were. We really remember Hugh Hefner himself was a virgin in college, like most guys, and so all that was reality. And yes. Let's have three cheers for some repression. Let's have three <laughs> cheers even more for some guilt. Let's have 12 cheers, you know, for all kinds of, of things that keep us humane and keep us civil and civilized to each other. Because otherwise, uh, you know, we are barbaric. And uh, so this Judeo-Christian thing has actually saved our skins for years and years and allowed us to evolve to where we have the most wonderfully affluent society and everything at our fingertips. So it's time for us to turn around, start reevaluating and demand that we go back to the kind of life-saving behavior that has kept us healthy and allowed us to be the richest country in the world and the freest. Well said, Judith. And uh, we're talking to Judith Reisman. This is, uh, we've got a minute left. And and Judith, I'm going to remind people again, you talk about barbaric. That's that's one way to describe what went on at the Hyatt Regency Chicago, celebrating sadomasochism. Why not? There's no limits, you know. So, But the book you alluded to is Sexual Sabotage. Sexual it's, Sabotage. It's mm-hmm. your latest book, and it mm-hmm. is a wonderful read. Uh, Judith, it is available through WorldNet Daily Books. Just go to the WorldNet Daily website, WND.com. Um, you can also get it at through your Amazon. Local bookstores. Local bookstores, if they don't have it, mm-hmm. ask for it and ask your library to carry it. It's called Sexual mm, Sabotage. Yes. It's by Dr. Judith Reisman, and her website is drjudithreisman.com. That's Dr. Judith Reisman, R E I S M A N.com. Our website is americansfortruth.org, where we archive all these interviews. We need supported Americans for Truth. We're up against a very powerful and well funded homosexual activist lobby. Judith, we'll talk to you next time. Yes, good good job, Peter. Thank you, and we'll, t- we'll talk to Judith Reisman, Part 3, next week. Again, our website, americansfortruth.org. Go out and fight for truth. This was the Americans for Truth Hour with your host, Peter LaBarbera. Tune in Saturdays at 11 p.m. to hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war. People who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Stay informed and engaged on the issues of life, marriage, and the God-ordained family. Please stand with them as they work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill. And once again, one nation under God. The Americans for Truth Hour, Saturdays at 11 p.m. on AM 1160.